Well, thank you for joining us today. This is the Pastors of the Roundtable podcast at uh, Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. It's brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. Together we encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Uh, my name is Spencer Snow. We've got Scott Slater, Dave Arnold, and Tim Michelangeli uh, sitting around the table um, here today. And uh, so we're here to uh, talk about another question that we've gotten in from somebody in our congregation. And so if you have any questions or ideas or anything that you're interested in learning about or would like to hear us talk about, um, uh, we would love to hear that hear that from you. You can talk to us or uh, in person or or shoot us an email, and uh, we'd love to hear from you, um, all of you out there in uh, podcast land. So um, we are wanting to talk about another question that I've, I've uh, received um, in the past um, from somebody uh, that uh, comes not from a, non, from a non-Baptist background, and uh, coming into our, uh, our uh, church um, as a Baptist church, they, they notice something uh, different. And, um, and particularly this question came around whenever I believe whenever I was teaching the early church history class and in the early church history, ancient church history, you know, you have the developments of creeds like the apostles creed or the Nicene creed or the Athanasian creed. You have creeds that start to develop in the early church. And I mentioned about that. I was going to be, um, covering those. And, um, uh, this is, a. This person uh, that that is a member of our church said that they that coming into uh, our our Baptist church from a non-Baptist background, they noticed that we don't talk about creeds or uh, uh, that much, or or don't talk about it maybe at all. Um, and so the question arises that he asked is: Do, do Baptists believe in the creeds? And um, if so, how are they in alignment with um, the three creeds? Like they mentioned, the three creeds of the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed that was used in their church background. And then the question was also, are there major differences? So this brings up the whole question about what is a creed? Are they useful, biblical, beneficial? Um, do Baptists use them? Should we use them? How should we use them? Um, all of that um, big, uh, all of those questions uh, come around. Um, I guess right away, what do you think about um, this? This person mentioned they just never had heard about much talk in our context about creeds. Is that the case, you think? Um, and if so, maybe um, why do you think that that is? Why do, why do we not in our tradition maybe or in this church or however you want to put it, Baptist churches in general, why do we not talk so much about creeds as much as maybe um, this this Christian tradition that this person was coming from as well. Did you define creed yet? <clears throat> okay. Would you want me to read the definition that yes, I've got please. on the paper? Yeah. What is a creed? A creed, this is from the Oxford Dictionary of the Christian Church. A creed is a concise, formal, and authorized statement of important points of Christian doctrine, the classical instances being the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. So it's got a few characteristics. It's concise. So it's short, it's a summary, it's not crazy long, it's formal, and it's an authorized statement. So it's not just like one individual person. Authorized by who? Well, that's the question. I think it would be by the church at large. Um, 
<clears throat> so for instance, like the Nicene Creed was, was, uh, well, in a sense, government approved as well, <laughs> authorized, but also church authorized at the same time, um, where the church was saying this summarizes our faith as Christians, as the church. So, and that's helpful because it's not simply one person's perspective on the Christian faith. This is the whole church summarizing the Christian faith in a succinct, concise, and yet helpful uh, format. So that would be what mm-hmm. I would define a creed as. Uh, growing up here, this church, I'd never heard about creeds, ever. It heard, was a Catholic thing. You heard about like, Apollo Creed. Apollo Creed. Oh. Yeah, I enjoy him. Ooh, yes. Um, but that, like, creeds and catechisms kind of all went together, and that was something that the, the Catholic churches do. We don't do that. I mean, I'm not saying like I ever even heard someone in the pulpit or anything say, we don't do creeds. Right. Not even that. I mean, it was just, it was never really brought up, never, never heard about it. I mean, like catechism and stuff was so foreign to me. I wouldn't even have really known what that was. I thought catechism was like a class that they went to when they got to about middle school or something like that. I didn't even really understand it. And I would say creeds fall in the, in the same line with that. Of being here, his historical, mm-hmm. well, while I've been here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, growing up, I didn't grow up here. I grew up in Kentucky, and but in a Southern Baptist background, like our church is Southern Baptist, and I would say no. I, I, I'd heard creeds, I guess, but we didn't, I think a lot of, maybe, I don't know exactly what this person's background was and their experience of the creeds, but we didn't, like, recite them on Sunday morning as a congregation or anything. I know some congregations do that, but we didn't do that. Um, but I mean, the teaching of the creeds was definitely there of the content of the, yeah, the content, but it's not that like we, as the church were taught the creed itself, Mm -hmm. but I mean, our church was definitely in line with the content Mm -hmm. of the creed in that sense. But there was not an emphasis on, Hey, you need to learn the words of this creed, mm-hmm. right? That that didn't happen, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dave, what about you? Mm, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. So growing up in a Catholic background, I, I don't remember creeds as much, but catechism, and exactly what Pastor Tim said, it was a class, and mm-hmm. I had to go, you know, kicking and screaming, if you will, but I had to go to catechism class, and I had to uh, go through and learn all about the, the Catholic tradition, or the Catholic Church, you know, and all that. Um but it was I think it was in seminary where I took a Trinitarian class. Um, I was a, 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 got a master's in theology, and I, we learned all the creeds, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian uh, Creed, Apostles' Creed, of course. And that was kind of like, mm-hmm. I want to say, <clears throat> revived kind of my understanding, or it gave me, and, and catechism too, we went through like some of the Westminster catechism, you know, what's the chief, chief end of man, you know, to right. glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I will, I will never forget that one. That's number mm-hmm. one, right? <laughs> and uh, learning learning that in seminary. And so that kind of like gave me a sense mm-hmm. of uh, the the history of, of, you know, the creeds, the significance of it, and also of catechism. Mm-hmm. You know, what really, what is, I mean, catechism is a very good kind of, um, you know, way of teaching, especially children, teaching them, you know, to uh, to re- reiterate, you know, or, or the question-answer type of form. And so that was really good for me to hear. Yeah. Just to maybe clarify, mm-hmm. maybe I'm wrong, but that kind of teaching, that was not the kind of catechism that you experienced right. as a Catholic. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Right? Catechism yeah. is very different yes, in very that context, different. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. It had all to do with the mass and the liturgy and the, the, the Catholicism of what the Catholic Church stood for and, you know, the rosary beads and the prayers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm. Very different than our Protestant tradition. Sure, sure. Um, so I think one of the things that's helpful that was said is that in our Baptist churches, it wasn't like that anything against, like, for instance, something summarized in the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed was taught against. In fact, the teaching, if it's going to be Baptist, would have followed in the line of all of those of those creeds. The content and the ideas were preached and taught, like the Trinity, uh, the, the eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, the, the church. Um, those basic things were always taught um, to some degree and affirmed within uh, Baptist churches and here at MMBC, but it was maybe not, uh, it wasn't um, uh, codified or said in, in this specific, um, I'm going to use a biblical phrase, but pattern of sound words. And then a creed, in a sense, is a pattern of sound words that's like the church in the past used this to help summarize all of that teaching in a short, concise, and succinct format to pass on the faith in a, in a very, um, in, a, in, a, in a quick fashion, uh, so to speak, in summary fashion. What are some possible reasons why somebody might possibly um, not talk about the creeds or even potentially be uncomfortable with the talk of creeds what are some possible reasons that you could see people uh maybe particularly coming from a baptist background but why would people have be uncomfortable with that um and i remember again this could have just been me i don't know if other people felt this way but one of the negatives of the catholic church that i always understood was like their tradition and that their tradition had led them astray because they held so tightly to their tradition no matter what. And I think creeds fell under that category in my head. Like that's their tradition. And it we don't hold to that. You know, we're not we're not that. And so that's that's not for us. And it, it would have probably even been eye opening to me if if when I was a teenager or even in my twenties or something, someone would have said like, no, these creeds are stuff we believe, too. I would have thought, no, that's the Catholic Church. Mm. That's different than us. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, again, it was more of a tradition thing. And so that, that was my understanding of why we didn't do them, because we don't hold to the Catholic tradition. So tradition, by that you meant, I mean, I know what, I think I know what you mean, but just so, what did, what did you understand? Define tradition so people understand. And why was that a negative thing, I guess, tradition itself yeah. in your mind? <clears throat> Again, from my understanding then, it would have been whatever the Pope had said is the same as what God had said, mm-hmm. and that had led the Catholic Church astray. Like okay. the, the Pope, Popes along the lines have made some bad decisions, Okay, and but they're stuck with them. And right. the Catholic Church can't do anything about it. They can't get out of it because what he said is in line with is Scripture. It depends on when he says what I he know. says and how he says it. Yes, though. I know that, but I mean, that's what I would, where I would have thought right back then. And right. so for me, the with very little understanding of the creeds or anything about them, I would have said... The Pope probably had a lot of say in the creeds. Mm-hmm. Probably that all fell under the same thing, which was a traditional thing, and right. so that's why we don't look at them. We're not we're not Catholic. Right. We, we're right. something different, and so for me, it was more like I heard statements of faith yeah. being talked about. So it's also a question, and I don't know if you would have phrased it this way, but a question of authority, because you because we as Protestants believe Scripture is the final. Authority, yeah, but tradition and you Catholic. would have heard that too for sure. Of like, 
they they go to the creeds, we go to the Bible. Right. I mean, you would have heard stuff because stuff cause, like because in in Roman Catholicism, right? Tradition is is a, an authority alongside of scripture. Mm-hmm. Scripture mm-hmm. is not the final authority, the final norm. Mm-hmm. Um, tradition, as interpreted by the church, mm-hmm. is an authority, and scripture is interpreted by the church as well. Um, so uh, those become the authority for what for what the Bible teaches, for what Christianity is. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't want to like, I'm not trying to like ridicule or anything. I just, again, this was just my perception. I never, no, I never heard much growing up about like history, right? Church history or anything. I mean, I heard about our church's history, right? How it was started in Monroe and about the buildings and the people and the sacrifices they made and the work. Like I would hear about that quite a bit. And yeah. those are the people like, Oh man, you know, we're thankful for them and the work they've done and mm-hmm. the privileges we have because maybe sacrifices that they had made right. back then or whatever. I heard a lot about that, but in terms of like church history in general, it just wasn't something outside of this local church, outside of this local body. I mean, I just never really heard much about it. I mean, even in like a Baptist light of where do Baptists come from? What was I, I never heard much about that and much talking. And that's not to say it wasn't talked about. It very right. well could have been, and I right. just didn't listen. Right. Um, but I just don't remember that being a part of my upbringing. And so creeds were in the past, mm-hmm. you know, you're mm-hmm. telling me it was written in 400 or whatever. It's like, right. Well, that's a line. That right. doesn't nothing do me. Right. Uh, do you guys think that there is a desire, a concern, which we can applaud at some level that we don't want the creeds to <clears throat> supplant the Bible? Right. And sure. none, and that's not what any mm-hmm. of us would be saying, but right. that is a concern that I think some people have. Right. I think, yeah, maybe what I was going to say is that I think, I mean, growing up and when I did become part of a church, it wasn't that anybody disagreed with the creed. They just didn't think it was really that important for people to know sure. what the creed says if we're teaching them is like what I had already said, like the the essential content of it through right. what we're teaching, through what we're telling them about Scripture. Right. It's not in, like you know God's not going to ask them to recite the Apostles' Creed when they are welcomed at the pearly gates, sure. right? Mm-hmm. And so we, I'm I'm just trying to get them to learn and understand the Bible, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, I personally never experienced like the kind of Baptists that say no creed but the Bible, mm. right? I never personally experienced that. I know those people are out there. Right. But I think for my upbringing in my context, it was just not emphasized as like, you know, this Christian isn't necessarily missing out on anything if they can't recite the Apostles' Creed, you know? Right. Um, but that was kind of the general feeling. But it it was in the sense of like, is it more important for them to know the Apostles' Creed or is it important for them to know the Bible? Mm-hmm. And they would say the Bible every right. time. Now, I think that you're kind of putting up a false dichotomy there, right? Right. We would say that, I think, yeah. that you're not emphasizing one over the other because the Creed contains the a summary of the biblical teaching, right? right? And so I would say right. they are helpful. Necessary? No. Helpful? Yes. Right. Um, but that was the general feel that mm-hmm. I think I got from mm-hmm. it. Because did you grow up with them at all? No, I mean, we all shared. No, okay, no, I didn't. No, yeah, did. yeah, no, I, I never grew up with them. Um, never talking like the history thing too. Um, I also think that um, part of the thing though too, and this is one of the things I think that is is important for everybody to realize is that even if you don't have a, even if you're not reciting the creeds, 
you may have an unwritten creed or code that is governing your church because, and, and oftentimes I think in sometimes in, um, certain circles that can be not so much doctrine. It can be, you're not adhering to a certain, uh, moral thing. You're, you're, you're drinking that when you shouldn't drink that you're doing this, you're going to that place, going to watch a movie whenever you shouldn't be doing that. I mean, I know some of those places that those examples are really outdated today, but what I'm saying is, is it could be behavioral, a creed, a code almost that is upheld and, but it's not stated anywhere. You know what I mean? I'm saying, I would say, I mean, have you seen Baptist churches that have the church covenant Covenant, plastered on the wall? Yeah. Like that's what, that's immediately what my mind went to mm -hmm. when you mentioned that, because I have seen that in a lot of Baptist churches. A lot of churches around here, a lot of Baptist churches around here, when you go in, it will be on the wall. I've seen it in the sanctuary. Yeah. In the sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah. And, And so I, I mean, I, I grew up with covenant and that's a covenant, but I mean the covenant didn't come across as like an interpretation of scripture. Like I would think a creed is of, of the covenant wasn't our statement of faith or what we believe about the Bible. The covenant was us agreeing to this thing together, right? which usually was more moral. Mm-hmm. It might say something about the word of God and we're going to hold to that. Right. But then and it would add, like you're saying certain things. Right. And I guess what I'm trying to say is there is always a, you cannot practice Christianity without being inherently confessing the faith at some mm-hmm. level, yeah. you're going to interpret the biblical data um, of what the Bible says. And so I think that's a helpful step for everybody. Even people who say we shouldn't have creeds or they're uncomfortable with them, they're going to have a definition of what Christianity true and false is. And the, the question is whether or not we're just going to be transparent and put that on paper and say that for everybody. I and find what it, it hard. To, maybe I'm way off. You know here. what I mean? You can help me with this, but like, I don't know how somebody can say creeds are bad. Here's our church's statement of faith. That's another question. <laughs> I don't, right? yeah, I don't right. understand that. Right. And, and almost every Baptist church I know has a statement of faith, whether it's a, the, what, you know, the Baptist faith, the message like right. Southern Baptist or, or churches their own. I mean, now it's, it's very common to see pastors have their own statement of faith. Like as an individual, you'll see them yeah. talk about it or put it on their whatever. Um, but I don't, can you enlighten me? I mean, there is a difference. A creed is authorized in this, but how could a church say creeds are bad? Statement of faith is good. I don't get that. I mean, some churches may not even have a statement of faith on paper. You know, I mean that. I, I think mean, a lot of it I too mean, is a just lot how of, does it function? Like how is it used? Like, I mean, I know like our church where I grew up, like we definitely had a statement of faith, right? but it wasn't like openly talked about, you know, in right. Sunday school, you know, we're not learning state, you know, uh, item number nine in our mm-hmm. statement of faith right. this week or and in the way that like the apostles creed when it's used will actually be recited you know and memorized and taught like that so and there, there there is a difference between the often i think sometimes the creeds people in their minds are often thinking of these three things the apostles mm-hmm. creed the nicene creed and the athanasian creed and then when they think about confessions those are the longer from the Reformation or today we hear of phrases like statements of faith, um, which you, which you hear, those are often longer than, um, but I don't think it would be a bad creeds. Thing. Like in talking about what Scott was talking about in his church, they didn't, you know, want you to recite the statement of faith and stuff. But I mean, growing up here, I've heard the Baptist faith and message talked about all the time. Mm. I've heard it read. I've heard it quoted, you know, I've heard it discussed. And so it was something of very high importance and yeah, good. something people should know. 
about about for yeah. sure and yeah. i wouldn't think a church would be wrong to have kids memorize if they wanted to that but again i then i would say well it's the same as a creed that i mean you're not oh i mean the, i i wholeheartedly agree thing. with what you're saying <laughs> yeah i mean i don't yeah. know about memorizing the baptist faith you know what like i mean it's poor easton I mean, he's going to memorize that we talked about this in a previous <laughs> podcast yeah. about like what makes baptists distinctive and one of those things was like that membership as part of our congregation means something mm-hmm. and like every time i've ever talked to anybody who comes to me and wants to be a wants to become a member of our church I hand them a copy of the Baptist Faith and Message to say, well, just make sure you understand what we believe as a church. This is our church's official statement of faith. Just make sure you're, you educate yourself about that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think it is great that that's been part of our church's history. It's interesting. The church that I came out of here, because I mean, I'm you know, still new, newer, six and a half years here in Monroe, um, had a covenant, mm-hmm. big covenant when you walk in. But then a few of the members... And they'd be more of the Appalachian kind of old school members. Basically, like, we have this, and then we have our bylaws. And our bylaws are really important. They treated the bylaws almost like a creed. Mm-hmm. And I just, I didn't, I didn't understand that because it was like, well, according to our bylaws. And it's like, and so there was that. I had never experienced that before. I mean, I've seen bylaws, you know, and Robert's rules of order. Order, yes. But not to the extreme that I saw. In my previous church, mm. Robert's Rules of Order are an appendix at the end of your Bible. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, that's how the Jerusalem Council was Yeah, I called James, yeah, brother James, moderator, James, brother moderator, Mister. That okay? It's really funny. By the way. You said brother. You said brother because that's a very Baptist thing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Brother moderator. Yeah. And, and, like if this is like a Presbyterian thing, it'd be Mister Moderator yeah. or something like that's that. That stuff freaked me out as a kid. I'm like, why are you calling him? That his name is Jack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, that's funny. Yeah, just that's really you, funny. Next time you see him, hey, brother moderator, yeah. what's up? That's what you do as a kid. It was just so awkward. Can like, I, what is happening uh, in here? <laughs> so next time we have a business meeting, that's what I'm going to say. Yeah, I've marked down every time you haven't done that to me. Well, I've never asked a question in a business meeting, though. Oh, that's a good point. Maybe you should step up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I'll bring up it's because you know all the answers. I'll bring up something controversial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Reference the bylaws. Reference the bylaws. <laughs> Um, can we change? Uh, no. <laughs> Article three. Yeah, Article three. Four. <laughs> um, what would be some arguments for using creeds or, and by, and I guess creeds yeah. uh, or confessions or statements of faith, doctrinal statements, what is the benefit of them? Mine would be this. If I'm researching a church, right? Like I'm new in town and I'm researching a church and and I've come across this before, like church has a website, they're putting themselves out there, but I can't find a statement of faith. I can't find like what you believe. I'm not interested in you anymore mm-hmm. because that is a big characteristic of why I'm going to go there. Right. I want to know what you are teaching and what do you, what do you stand on? And it's not enough for me if you just say, well, we believe the Bible because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who believe the Bible, but they teach some crazy things about the, the Bible. The Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. The Bible, they say, right? right? And so I think it's it's vital to know. And so when you talk about creeds, confessions, statements of faith, it it at least points me somewhere. And again, does the church hold to them actually in their services? I don't know. Maybe not. I hope so, right? They can put anything they want on a website or whatever. Uh, But that's going to be the first step. It's like, okay, you... 
you say you believe the Apostles' Creed. Well, that's going to tell me some things, all right? And But then you're also telling me you have a statement of faith. Well, let's look at it. And mm-hmm. It's talking about who you believe God is, right? What is salvation? Mm-hmm. Who is Jesus? Right. Right. They usually will put some of those some of those things on there. Mm. And so now I at least know what I'm dealing with. What is What do we believe in baptism? Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of people, they'll put it on there. All right. Now I know what I'm walking into and what you guys are telling me you are going to be teaching. Mm-hmm. So that's from an outsider's perspective of why, which is very good. Yes. I mean, right. And that's so from an outsider yeah. coming so into from a the church. insiders, mm-hmm. I would go to one of the things we've talking about is just teaching, um, teaching our children, uh, teaching members just in general uh, to be able to say a creed is helpful because it, it reminds you of the truths that you believe or to have a, a statement of faith that is systematically put together. Who do we believe God is? Who is, you know, who is Jesus? Blah, blah, blah. And you put that down, let's say. Um, it's a way to then educate your membership as a, as a church mm-hmm. in, in a very succinct and hopefully a clean and understandable way, mm-hmm. right, to, to lay it out there for everyone. Yeah. I was, you said something, but it was one of the things I wrote down that I wanted to say was that, I I mean, I'm just thinking about my sermon that, you know, we're recording this on Monday after I preached on Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. If a parent doesn't know what they're supposed to be teaching their child, go to your church's statement of faith and look at all those different points. Those are good things to teach your family. You might have to break it down differently depending on the age of your children, but they're good. And for somebody that feels uncomfortable doing that because they want to teach their child the Bible, not just this creed, because what we're talking about is that you can think about like the creed or the confession or the statement of faith as almost like a scaffolding. A bit, you're building a system, the skeleton of something. And at the same time, you're introducing them to the Bible. But if you've introduced, if you've built this scaffolding for them, and when you're reading at some random place in the Bible or some story, you can kind of show how that fits onto the scaffolding, where it fits, what it applies to. And so that's really helpful. Another thing that I said, the importance or a benefit of using a creed in a church or a confession or statement of faith is it gives your church a unified vocabulary to talk about stuff together so that you can be on the same page about certain issues. And that's just helpful you know, practically speaking. Well, and also it promotes like on, on con- jumping off, continuing with that idea is it also promotes, um, accountability mm-hmm. because if you come into a church and we're teaching something that goes against what we say we believe, then you have a right to voice that opposition. If we're violating what we've all agreed, the Christian faith is, mm-hmm. But if you do, but if we don't have creeds, then then it's part of I think the transparency thing, and also which promotes accountability, and which also which just promotes honesty, and and like you said, so it promotes our, our relationships with each other. I think also another thing is that it promotes um, healthy relationships with people in other Christian traditions, because it's actually better. Um, and I think I've, I was looking here at this quote from. Uh, um, or this thing from uh, J.V. Fesco, a guy who uh, wrote a thing called On the Needs for Creeds Today, but he said, um, he said, Robert Frost once wrote a poem called The Mending Wall, where he famously wrote that good fences make good neighbors. Confessions are not this side of glory. The church has been, is, and will be splintered and divided for a host 
of reasons. While people have used confessions further to divide the church, at the same time, rightly used, confessions of faith are beneficial. So they actually can be a way that I'm able to clearly explain my relationship and my belief system to people of other traditions. Mm -hmm. And so instead of us maybe... Uh, being not being confused about our differences or whatever, it actually helps us promote transparency there as well with other brothers and sisters in the Lord. If we're honest about what we believe and we have that on paper, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, and also not simply on paper then, but we're actually reading it and utilizing it to some extent um, in our own lives. Can I read? I was going to read the Apostles' Creed. Yeah, there please might do. be people listening and never yeah. heard or whatever. It's not very long. This is the Apostles' Creed. It says, I believe in God. This is the traditional version. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So when, you, when I read that, what would be controversial in a Baptist church? The word Catholic. The word Catholic. But, the, but, but that's quickly talked about, right? Because right. by Catholic church, it means all Christians. It doesn't mean Roman Catholic. It doesn't mean the Roman Catholic Church. It means all Christians. That's what's Mm -hmm. being talked about there. The other one might be, I've seen controversy over, he descended into hell, but that's not necessarily a Baptist thing. Just people talk about what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Where is this coming from? But that's, again, This I'm I'm reading this because there are people definitely, creeds are a scary thing. And when you read it, you wonder, well, what's so scary about it? I think I could say I agree with this. And it's like, yeah. Right. <laughs> the church has for a very long time. Right. And this is like a very basic statement mm-hmm. of this is what Orthodox Christians mm-hmm. believe. This is the bare minimum. And when yeah. you step outside of this, we have issues. Yeah. Like when, you know, one, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I thought of this earlier. It's like, what, what's something that people are, don't like using creeds or something. And I think, especially where I grew up, if there was one thing that they didn't like about creeds, I would have to say is that to, I think it, like reading that, especially reciting it, in a church service comes across as very formal. Sure. And and uh, there's a tendency in churches today, I think, to equate formalism with with insis- insincerity, right? And uh, and we want our faith to be sincere. We want it to be felt, not necessarily just thought about. And I think that that is one thing that, you know, nothing in there scares me, but people don't want to just and i'm not i'm not advocating or defending this i'm just trying yeah, yeah. to like i think this is maybe what people think is that I, you know if we adopted if we just started reading that together and reciting mm-hmm. that together that's just a a rote routine action that we're just doing with no real meaning behind it we're yeah. reading those words but do we really understand what it means i mean i've heard you know? that about the lord's prayer we yeah. shouldn't just recite it i've heard it about the 23rd psalm like we just keep saying this mm-hmm. what does it really mean sure but i I hear that, I mean, Joel Osteen, who none of us would probably enjoy or like, his church has a creed that he says it before he preaches every time about their Bible. This, this is, is my Bible. Bible. <laughs> hey, raise it up. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that not their creed? Oh, I mean, man. they are repeating it. You're and right. he has a church of 9,400, millions, right? I don't know how many he has in that building. It's a huge building. And those people all say it every, right. every right. time. They know it. 
they know the creed and this is yeah. what they stand on. Right. And I think too, I think that Scott, you hinted on something, you hit on something very much because you notice one of the things it says here, a creed is a concise formal statement. And, um, we have embraced, so I think it's, it's not an intentional embracing of this idea, but underneath we've embraced the idea that, that, that if there's solemnity, that equals insincerity or yeah. lack of authenticity. Sure. And that's not what actually it means. I mean, if you go to a wedding, and, and part of the thing is in American Christianity, or not American Christianity, in the American culture we live in, even weddings are very um, informal events now or becoming that way. But there's still a level of, of gravity, if appropriately done, that whenever you're reciting those vows, you may think these are just lifeless words. Why am I even saying? No, actually, they mean a lot. They mean a lot. Or whenever you go to a courtroom and something is, a mm-hmm. verdict is read, something very real is happening there that's going to be life-changing for somebody. And so, but that's a very solemn proceeding. You know, the judge doesn't show up in a flower shirt. And so the point is, is that just because something is solemn or formal, like reading a creed or doing anything in religious worship, prayer or whatever, that doesn't automatically equal lifelessness or lack of love for the Lord it could actually be a deep reverence and solemnity. And I think that shows a big problem, what you're saying, with a lot of churches. And I would say even in ours, to the extent when we start reading more scripture and service, you could get that sense that people felt that way. Like, where's the life in this? And it's like, this is the word of God being read. What right. do you mean? Where right. else do we find life? And, and we have to be willing, I think, to push back against that and hopefully teach, you know, what we think is right and true, that... We do read this in a way with respect and with awe and with reverence, and we don't want to just throw it around willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to treat it as the Word of God, and you need to hear it, and we believe it It has an impact in your life, mm-hmm. right? And that, that's God's Word. Uh, with the creeds, it would be something like, we think these are important because it helps take the Word of God and help you to understand the truths that is being read in there in a concise way, like you said. Yeah, and in another way, too, it's actually deeply unifying because especially the creeds like the apostles creed those are statements of faith that christians in lutheran reform methodist anglican episcopalian i mean even the catholic church (laughs) roman catholic church uses the apostles creed and i guess at some level there's also this reality of where and this is this goes against i think our american impulse but i'm not inventing christianity i am receiving the truth of this religion mm-hmm. for what it is. I'm not the first Christian to come along here. And so if properly understood as like the apostles creed, those various statements, if properly understood and taught about that actually just unifies me with Christians of all stripes. And so far from actual, it, it actually is a, is a, is a thing where it helps me to, to latch on to uh, the unity of, of brothers and sisters uh, throughout time and space as well, I think. And this has been the faith of the church. It's not an inspired document, but it has been proven to be a very trustworthy guide and summary and concise formal statement of what the Christian faith is. Just as the Nicene Creed or, or also our larger confessions, which flesh out our denominational differences mm-hmm. um, as well, are, are, are very helpful. So um, as we kind of head towards wrapping up, what are some examples of... Uh, we talked about creeds, like the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, Athanasian Creed. What are some examples of Baptist confessions? Scott, we've talked about the uh, Baptist faith and message. Um, where could people find that at? 
if they wanted to read that? I don't know. If, I think it might. You could probably just Google the Baptist Faith Message, and mm-hmm. you'll find it. You can go to sbc.org.com, whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You can go to our church website. It's on, it's our, on church our church w- website. That's right. Yeah, we put it, the full the whole thing. The whole thing is on the church website. Do you have copies of it as well? Mm-hmm. So come see Pastor Scott. He's got copies of the Baptist Faith and Message. Yeah. Um, other examples of Baptist statements of faith in the past or whatever creeds. Oh, you got one right in front yeah, of you. Yeah, I've got a whole book here. Scott has this book too. I think this is my older edition. Mm. It uh, means it's better. <laughs> That's, what he was That's not what I Mine's meant. My, mine's ripping. <laughs> this is a this is an old book, but it's called the ba- it's called Baptist Confessions of Faith, and it just has a full listing of historic Baptist confessions um, from different types of Baptists, and so it's listing all of them. So it's got the a uh, this is a confession from uh, 1612. Um, there's the there was a, a couple of confessions that are called the London Confessions. The mm-hmm. first one from the 1640s. The second one, it's like a Philadelphia one or something. Yeah, there's a Philadelphia confession. Yeah, mm-hmm. the 1689 Baptist Confession is the big one. That's probably the most influential. And the Philadelphia, which you're calling the Philadelphia Baptist Confession, they just took the 1689 and added a couple of extra articles to it. And I think that's the one that our church, when it was founded, references. Really. I think so. That's from like 1742? New England period. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. So when Baptists came over to America, they adopted that. Mm -hmm. Um, And there have been other statements of faith or, or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. There's Um, the abstract of principles. Good point. That is used in a lot of uh, the seminaries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was published, that was, what, the 1850s maybe? 1840s. 1840s, 50s. When Southern Seminary started. Yeah. So there, we do have a history of publishing our faith yeah. mm-hmm. in documents to the world. And um, I think that would be helpful if um, if we could rediscover those things and just kind of uh, learn from them and, and appreciate them. And they could be useful for our church life um, uh, today. Is there anything further you guys would like to add about that before we wrap up? I mean, up? I think we've seen the danger play out of not holding to some of this stuff, some of the historical stuff that helped the church keep going for thousands of years to where we see a lot of independent churches now who just off the rails or they're saying, you know, the Bible says this and there's no, you can reference back to the apostles creed or whatever. So you guys are off on this, but they don't have any recognition of it, you know? And I think you can just see how you can, how you can stray just like, I don't know, as you, as you, um, Increase in a profession, whatever it might be, electrical work, mate, car maintenance, whatever it might be, you still have to be very good at the basics all mm-hmm. the time and refresh yourself on the basics. And if you get out of the habit of, of doing the basics, you, you lose it, right? You start to lose the natural skill and ability. And I think it's the same with us as we study the Word of God. We constantly have to be going to the basics, mm-hmm. the basic things of who is God, who is Christ, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how is he, all these how was he born? All this stuff. Or we start to stray from it and we will go, I think, you know, claiming to be wise, they became as fools. That comes to my mind a lot, that passage. And you can just easily start to stray because you're getting away from the basics. And mm-hmm. these creeds were written by men who literally fought for every word, right? Yeah. They debated over every word. And what does God's word say? And what do we believe this to be, mm-hmm. you know? And, 
so I think it's silly for us to just push those aside and be like, eh, we're much smarter than them now. Right. And we can mm-hmm. do our own thing. Mm-hmm. We got to be real careful about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. In a sense, that's an application of the fifth commandment of honoring your father and mother. <laughs> but that also applies to the spiritual, I think, fathers and mothers of, of not just uh, of honoring um, the people who've come before you in the church. And doesn't mean they're infallible. They're not inspired. Mm-hmm. We don't have popes. But we do want to listen to what they have to say to us. And if the church has said something, Christians have interpreted scripture like the Apostles' Creed and thought this is a summary of what the whole Bible actually teaches, these things are really important, we should probably do well to listen to that. Not because Mm -hmm. it's an inspired document or infallible, but because they thought this helpfully summarized what the Bible does say. Um, And it's a lot easier to read the Bible if you've got that vocabulary in your mind Mm -hmm. Then if you're simply trying to, because sometimes as well, right, it's the me and my Bible approach where I can pull all this stuff out of the Bible just by myself. Well, actually, you probably need some, uh, you need these creeds to structure your thinking so that whenever you read the Bible, you'll actually be able to read it a lot faster. Your processing yeah, will be a lot also quicker. also this, how often do you get asked as a pastor or have you been asked in the past, like, hey, there's a new Christian, what can I give them to help them? Right. In this process, oh, right? Yep. And people think, what do we got to come up with? Or even us, there's been times where we're like, I want to do a sermon series on this. We got to come up with something and create something and be like, oh, actually, this confession has it laid out for us. Right. <laughs> I mean, it was written 300 years ago, right. but it flows perfectly of what we've been talking right. about here. Mm-hmm. And for new Christians, read this catechism that's based off of this confession. Right. It's really going to help you out. Right. You're really going to see And there's it. scripture references too. There's scripture too. references yeah. with it. Read those with it. And it's like, these people have done this work right. and we're just going to throw it aside because it's old. Like, no, they, they were very smart and, right. and good at it. Yeah. Right. And it, it keeps you from error. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that's why a lot of these creeds were actually originally written was because there were errors mm-hmm. and the creed was actually written in response to the error Right. right. That's why there's more. That's why you see updated creeds mm-hmm. and confessions mm-hmm. and things like this because they're dealing with more modern day mm-hmm. challenges and heresies and, and false teachings mm-hmm. in the same way that these were. I mean, they had real purpose behind them. Definitely. Yeah. And so you see modern day statements of faith, faith coming out. I know you're wanting to end, but mm-hmm. like, uh, what is it? The. Denver, Dan, what is it? Oh, the Danvers Danver statement. Yeah, and you've seen statement of faith on biblical manhood, woman at the, these, and what are they coming out for? For modern day things issues. that the church is dealing with issues, yeah. right? Yeah, but back then it was, the issue was, who is God? Right. Who's, <laughs> yeah, who's <laughs> Jesus? Who is Jesus? Yeah. Who is Jesus? Yeah. 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 Justification by faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, the gospel. Some big stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Real yeah. big stuff. Um, Yeah. Very good. Okay, well, thanks, guys, for talking about that. I think this is um, helpful. Um, So do Baptists believe in creeds? Yes. The Scripture is the only final authority, the only thing inspired and infallible by the Spirit, but creeds and confessions of faith are helpful summaries and reflections of what the Bible teaches and can be very useful as you read the Bible, but also as you pass the Christian faith on to unbelievers, uh, to your children, and as we teach it within the church. Um, so I think that it is, it, there's a place for creeds in Baptist life. So, uh, I hope this has been helpful. Um, and, uh, yeah, we will see what next week brings to us. That will be our 77th episode, nice. um, 77. So, all right. Thanks so much guys. Take care. God bless.